this evening we're going to continue along in our study of uh, of Nehemiah. Now, last week I tried. I, I didn't. I don't think I did all that great of a job uh, talking to you about Nehemiah and uh, you know the fact that um, he gave us instructions as far as how to deal with conflict. Uh, one of the things that I do want to make sure that you did get from that is, is that we should always begin dealing with conflicts with prayer. Uh, that should be the very first thing that we, uh, you know, that we do is, is go to God in prayer when dealing with any type of, of conflict. So we ended last week uh, with verse 14 in Nehemiah, if I'm not mistaken, is that is that proper in my, in my thoughts? It was 13 that we ended in uh, because the whole, um, the whole assembly uh, you know, said amen. So tonight we're going to pick up in verse 14. But before we pick up in verse 14, some things have happened that's not really in Scripture. Okay, because you'll find in verse 14, uh, well, let's go ahead, I'll read it for you. It says, for the entire 12 years that I was governor over Judea. So we find here that in verse 14 that he's telling us that he has been governor for 12 years. Well, when did he become governor? Well, actually, it was, it was more than that because Nehemiah was the governor for 12 years and then he left and went back uh, and was underneath the reign of King Artaxerxes again and then he came back and governed over them again uh, you know, before someone else. Uh, and, and I don't right now, I don't remember who it was that came in after him or in between his two reigns. Uh, you know, but at this point in time, whenever he was writing this, it's actually after his second reign that he's actually going in and writing this book for us. Uh, you know, so we see this, and what happened was is that Nehemiah did such of a good job whenever he left underneath Artaxerxes, and he went and began to help. Uh, you know, the uh, Israelites, uh, you know, begin to rebuild Jerusalem and to rebuild the walls and the, you know, and the, the gates around there. He did such of a good job that Artaxerxes, uh, you know, promoted him to governor over this reign or, or over this territory. So I want us to look at this and think about this tonight because... God places us in positions, and he places us in these positions so that we can better the kingdom of God. How many of you remember your first little bit of authority that you had over people? Can you remember, can you, can you think all the way back? I want to see if there's some Mrs. or Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, uh, you know, that's here in the church. Uh, you know, I want to find out how many of you were a hall monitor or one of the guards and stuff in elementary school. 
How many of you were, I, you know, I have to let my hand down because there was no way. So we don't have any. There was nobody that was a hall monitor. Well, what about in middle school? Did anybody make it to a hall monitor in middle school? You had safety patrols? Okay. Were you a safety patrol? For one year, and then they took it away from you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> safety patrol. Kelly, how did you do your first year in safety patrol? Can you remember that far back? Okay. They, they listened to you well. How many friends did you have about halfway through that year? You still had friends. That, see, that's the key thing is, is that, you know, because a lot of times the first time that we have any type of authority, we really don't know how to handle it. Uh, you know, because I remember, uh, you know, in my two years in public high school, I became the captain of the, uh, uh, you know, of the football team. Uh, you know, now, the high school that I went to, we had ninth grade football, and then we had JV football, which was 10th grade, and some of the 11th and 12th graders that weren't good enough to be on varsity. And then you had varsity football. So there was three different teams, okay? So I started out as team captain on the freshman or the ninth grade team. Okay, come 10th grade, I was not the captain my 10th grade year. Uh, you know, I had anybody and everybody, uh, you know, carrying the equipment. Uh, you know, I had people carrying my helmet. Uh, you know, I'm the team captain. I think you need to carry that for me. Uh, you know, see, I, I stepped beyond my boundaries, uh, you know, so that was not, that was what not to do. I learned because whenever I went into the private school in my junior and senior year, I was team captain of the basketball team. And I think I was a fairly good team captain. I actually made water for us before every game. Uh, you know, so I made sure that I was a leader that actually did things. Don't be talking underneath your hands and stuff over there. You pray to Jesus and he, it appears. But I got you. You was wondering that, huh? Okay. I, you know, okay. All right. I prepared the water, okay, and I made the Gatorade that was in the cooler for us to drink at halftime. You Man, I, you know, I don't need to talk to those guys over there. I, you know, I, so, so, now that we, so now that we've grown up and we're out of high school, uh, you know, what was your first, you know, job that you had as a boss? What was it? Restaurant manager. Were you very good? Went down in flames. Yeah, you know, a lot of us, you know, that first, uh, you know, taste of leadership, you know, we, we go down in flames. 
We don't know how to handle it. We take advantage of it. We take advantage of titles. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we're, well, I should say that we're, we, the older we get, we should learn not to do that, right? But unfortunately, some people don't. So think about this. What was your, or who was your worst boss? Who was your worst boss? If you're still working for him, I'm sorry. Why were they your worst boss? And just simply because they made me do more work than I thought I was, was necessary. That's not good. No people skills. A lot of times your worst boss is your worst boss because he's thinking about himself instead of thinking about other people. So we look at this, and, and Nehemiah was, was really good. I mean, Nehemiah gives us all of these things, and I don't know if we would actually be able to live up to the standards of Nehemiah. So let's look into this. In verse 14, we read part of verse 14, uh, you know, and it says, uh, you know, the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah, from the 12th year to the 13th, or to the 32nd year of the reign of King Artaxerxes, neither I nor my officials drew our official food allotment. Huh. So they didn't draw their allotted food. He didn't draw the allotted food because it would put undue pressures on the people below him. So let's continue on. It says the former governor, in contrast, had laid heavy burdens on the people, demanding a daily ration of food and wine besides 40 pieces of silver. Even their assistants took advantage of the people. But because I feared God, I did not act that way. I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. And I required all of my servants to spend time working on the wall. I asked for nothing, even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, beside all the visitors from, the, from other lands. The provisions I paid for each day included one ox, six choice sheep or goats, and a large number of poultry. And every 10 days, we needed a large supply of all kinds of wine. Yet I refused to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already carried a heavy burden. Remember... Oh my God, all that I have done for these people and bless me for it. So that's a lot, isn't it? 
how many of you would do the work and not get paid for it? Huh? You've done that? <laughs> it doesn't count with your husband. I, you know, you can't claim that one. I'm sorry. He gave it up. But why did he give it up? He gave it up because it would put a burden on the other people. You know, so whenever we look at this and we see what, uh, you know, um, Nehemiah, uh, you know, did, there's some principles that we, that we can see, that we need to see. We should, as far as being God's people, we should accept a promotion as the potential blessing from God and consider whether it might be his will and his timing in taking that promotion. Now, I'm going to do this, okay? How many people still here, how many people here tonight still have a job? Okay, okay, so we, so there are some people that still worry about this. Uh, you know, we, we have a job, we, there are things that we need to do, but in the midst of these things that we have is that God might come to us and someone in that job or in the work that you're doing, they might come to you and ask you to do something else. And a lot of times we would say, oh, goodness, no, I don't want to do that. Please don't put any more responsibility on me. The responsibility that I have is enough. Would you ever think, could you possibly ever imagine that God was sending them to you because he knows the work that you're doing, he knows that you're doing a good job, and if you take the promotion, then you will be able to benefit more people around you because they will be able to see the good work that you are doing in the new position as well as the good work that you did in the old position. I see some people shaking their head, not many. Okay, so let's do this. I'm going to try to do this for you, okay, because we all have a job in the kingdom of heaven, right? What if God is asking for you to take a promotion in the job that he has for you on this, on this earth to expand the kingdom of heaven? What are you going to do? Oh, no, not me, God. I don't need any more responsibilities. I just simply want to stay right here where I'm at. And he's like, no, I really need you to go over here and I need you to do this. And you're like, no, I'm really comfortable where I am. He's like, no, you, you, you hear the conversation. I know there's a lot of people of us that's had that conversation. Almost two years ago, I had that conversation. Really, God, you want me to go to this church? I, you know, I, I, I still, I, you know, there's times that I think about it. Uh, you know, whenever I stepped in the pulpit that very first Sunday, I more than tripled my congregation that I was responsible for. 
And I was like, really, God? You sure you got the right person here? And there's still today, I think, I'm like, really, God? You think I'm the right one? But we're having this great time. But you have to be willing to do what he asked you to do because there's people that he has there for you that needs to have your witness in front of them. But I also want to say this. Because there's times that we get comfortable where we are. And he knows that our human tendency is to be lazy. And if we're not stressed, and if we don't have problems, we're really not going to grow spiritually. So he says, I need you to take this position so that you can grow spiritually. Because right now, where you are, you're too comfortable. And you need to do something else. Now, there's some of us that would say, yeah, but God, I'm too old. So we're going to move on from there. So we should consider, (laughs) we should consider accepting the promotion because it may give us the opportunity to grow spiritually within our character but it also might give us the ability to reach other people that we would have not reached if we would have stayed where we were. So we need to make sure that we're listening to God so that He can prompt us to move in the way and to do the things that He would have for us to do. You know, and there's all too often that we find that if it's in the church, if I don't do it now, somebody else will do it. God's speaking to you, and you're in this struggle saying, no, God, you got to find somebody else. No, God, I'm comfortable right here where I am. Then we're going to say, Oh, God, really, there's somebody else that needs to do this, not me. There's somebody else that might be a little bit better at this. And God's like, no, I need to stretch you so that you will grow spiritually and that you will be able to handle what we have. And you'll be able to minister and to witness to other people that you don't witness to now. I'm not telling Miss Jeannie this, but it could be after 30 some odd years in the children's department that God might be calling Miss Jeannie out in another position. I'm not telling you that that's what he's doing, but I figured you were a safe person I could There's other people that God's talked to about things in church that were like, oh, no, I don't think I can do that. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know you can. 
But the thing about it is, we should consider accepting the promotion because it may be God's way to improve us. Maybe God's way to get us back on our knees. You know, Peggy and I, the position that we took in Mississippi, it was really interesting for us. So, you know, uh, Dr. Mason had us, and this was the second interview that we had in Mississippi. The first interview that we went to, Peggy and I went down there together. Uh, you know, we stayed in a Holiday Inn, a really nice place. Uh, you know, they took us out the night before and showed us around the little town. And, uh, you know, and then they said, we'll meet you at church. They showed us where the church was. It was nighttime whenever they showed us where the church was. So maybe you can kind of guess where I'm going with this right now because you know that I'm directionally challenged. Uh, you know, so it was nighttime whenever they showed us where the church was. It's daytime whenever we have to go for Sunday school. We get lost on the way to Sunday school. So we have to call them up to tell them to, you know, show them, you know, for them to come get us. So they come and get us, and we make it to there, and everything was really good, you know, and had this great time, and they didn't have a musician. There was a guy that taught the Sunday school class, and he got up, and we sang a cappella. Man, it was beautiful. I stood up, and I started to preach, and I said, well, I started to get up and come play the piano because I stayed at the Holiday Inn, and if you stay at the Holiday Inn, you can do anything. Y'all remember those commercials, right? But I thought better about it, so I didn't sit at the, you know, at the piano. I didn't play. Uh, you know, but we had that interview. Everything went great. Uh, you know, on the way back, Peggy and I, neither one of us felt like that was the place for us to be. So a couple of months later, uh, you know, we had the opportunity to go into Meridian, Mississippi, and we interviewed for that place. Well, Peggy didn't go. Caleb didn't go. Andrew and I went. Really strange because the only one in that car that was going to be staying there was me. And I was looking to Andrew for some advice to kind of help me out on what, on what we're supposed to do. We get there to Mississippi. And we got there a week early. And I wanted to go into the church just simply to see how their praise and worship went. Because they had this big band. They had uh, you know a bass guitar. They had a drummer. They had two electric guitars. Man, they... They, had, they even had an album out, this group. I was like, man, this, you know, this is right up my alley. All I have to do is preach. I don't have to sing like I would at that other church. All I have to do is just preach. This is right. Man. So we get there early, and they wouldn't let me just sit. I had to preach that first service that I was there. That Monday morning, 9 o'clock, there was a couple that came to the church. Pastor so-and-so's, you've got to change. You've got to make changes. So-and-so's in leadership in this church, and you've got to get rid of them. They're, they're just tearing the church up. It's, it's uh, you know, you, got, you just have to get rid of them. Not 10 minutes after that couple left, there was another lady that came in. Oh, pastor, oh, so-and-so's in charge of this church, and, and they're just running it, and they're, you, know, you got to get rid of all that you got to move the leadership and stuff. you got to change all this. you got to get rid of them. I looked at Peggy and I was like, oh my goodness, what did we get into? Now, 
deep, deep down inside, she most probably said, I was not on this interview. You did it. <laughs> but we ran to the altar. God said, John, the only way that you're going to be able to deal with this is if you allow me to deal with it. There's times and there's things that God's going to call us to and there's situations he's going to put us in as leaders that we have to run to the altar and fall on our knees because the only way we can handle it is through him and with him. That's the only way. But all the way through this process, he was trying to grow me and he was trying to grow Peggy so that we would be able to be the people that he needs for us to be. If we would have sat in our comfort zone, Peggy and I could have stayed at that church until, we, until everybody else just died off. Because they had no intentions whatsoever of ever asking us to leave. Because they just didn't want to do it. They said, we have a pastor He's okay to listen to. We can tolerate it. And we'll just let him stay here as long as he wants to. But there was no spiritual growth. There was no desire for numerical growth. But God used that opportunity for Peggy and I to grow. So there's times that we use, that God uses those promotions for us to grow, to get us out of our comfort zone so that then we would rely upon Him. So we should consider accepting the promotion since many provisions or it would provide for us the opportunity to create a better working condition for other people. Now, I'm going to meddle in this right here because uh, whenever we think about this and we look into this, there are people in church that are in leadership position of church that you don't like the way that they're doing it. So you complain about the way they're doing it, but yet you won't become the leader to help them so that they don't have to do it. You're just going to complain about it. So God says you need to take that promotion. You need to see that position that's open. And you need to say, okay, God, I will help out in this situation. Because there's things that you have taught me in this life. That will be beneficial to helping other people. And to creating a better situation the Reese's peanut butter cup you got peanut butter in my chocolate no you got chocolate in my peanut butter no you got peanut butter in my chocolate no you got chocolate in my peanut butter that's what we do I don't like the way that you lead but I'm not going to lead I know that I have the ability to lead, but 
it's more fun to sit back and criticize somebody else for not doing it the way I do it. God has given us the ability to lead so that we can benefit the other people that's around us. So that we can benefit his kingdom. Oh golly, I wasn't going to be that long. I'm really liking this one though. There's four more principles. I think we can pick those up next Sunday. Yeah, my tooth is. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be regretting this later on. But the thing about it is, is that if if God prompts it on and puts it on your heart to do something in the church. It's because he knows that you have the ability to do it. Or, like Moses, and I don't want to preach anymore, like Moses, that he will supply everything that you need to accomplish the task that he's asking you to do. But guess what? Along with that, he will also supply the energy. So for all the people that's sitting back and they're saying that, no, I'm too old, God says, if you allow me to work through you, I will give you the energy to accomplish the things that I need for you to accomplish. I'll give you the tools, but I'll give you the energy as well. And God also says that I will bless you through that process. I will bless you through that process. We all have a position in the kingdom of heaven. Some of us need to move up to the next level. Let's stand for dismissal. Choir practice immediately following. Darla, do you need to talk with uh, the people as far as uh, working with the prison ministry? Um, if you would like to help supply food or go and help supply food, please meet Darla um, uh, you know, right over there. All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for this evening and for the words that you've given to us. God, I pray that your face would shine upon us. And God, that your blessings from heaven would be poured out on each one that is here. In Jesus' name, amen.